0: Good morning. My name is Bill Malone. I'm a community care pastor. I do know my title here at Mannheim BIC Church. We, um, we finished our series going through the book of Philippians last week, and next week we will be starting a new series. And today um, we are tackling a topic that we usually do in the fall. You'd see on the front of your bulletin cover that it is um, what we call Orphan Sunday. Now, typically churches around the country and and a few other places in the world, will take a Sunday in the year to focus on the needs of what we call orphans, and call it Orphan Sunday. Now, I want to acknowledge up front that we don't use the word orphan um, a whole lot. There are a lot of other ways that we speak about children in this kind of situation, but this is what we'll be working through today. Now, my task this morning is to guide us through what the Bible says about orphans and orphan care. Orphan care what it is, what it looks like, and and to see, again, from the Bible, what it says. And then we're going to focus our attention on one specific part of orphan care, and then a very specific place in Guatemala, where um, our church has been involved in the last couple of years. Now, orphan care incorporates typically, in our understanding of it, adoption, foster care, and the support of orphans and orphanages Um, sometimes here, sometimes in other parts of the the world. I had a phone conversation this last week with a friend of mine, not part of the church, but who has been experiencing some of these kinds of things with, again, what we call orphan care. She and her husband adopted, I think, three children from a country in Asia several years ago. And one of their, their sons is right now really hitting the peak of some of the most difficult times that they knew was going to happen. Um, when they adopted him, they knew that there were some, some learning difficulties, um, some special needs that would be there. But the one thing that's really come out is that where he, uh, the time he spent in an orphanage in that country where he grew up um, was not like the orphanage that we're going to be talking about today. It was one of those places where, for whatever reason, he was just never held. He wasn't cared for. And it doesn't happen all the time, thankfully, but what, what does sometimes happen is now happening with him. He's a teenager and uh, has been diagnosed with what's called reactive attachment disorder, which means that he has very uh, a lot of difficulty attaching himself to other people. He never experienced it when he was young, and so it's something that is being worked on. And my conversation with my friend during the week... It was basically, she was calling me. Um, We ran into each other and she said, can you give me a call just to try to get some resources of what she can do with her son right now Um, because they're right in the thick of it with some of the the difficulties that are going on. And so really what that conversation was about is really what this message is about today. What can be done to help a child in that kind of situation? And even more broadly, What does it mean, how can we best care for those who have been orphaned? So that's what we're going to be thinking through this morning. Now, before I go on, I want to take a moment to pray, Um, several things to pray for. Uh, This weekend is a senior high retreat. They normally call it a winter retreat, (laughs) which, (laughs) with this beautiful weather, it means change some of the activities. Um, they are not going to do any, any, you know, getting on the uh, snow and ice. Um, so we want to pray for, uh, for our students who are away. Uh, in addition, there are two people we prayed for last week. Carl Ginder and Gene Gaiman have been in Alaska, and they are on their way back, flying back from Alaska right now, and then just praying for ourselves as we look at the Bible. So join me as I pray. Lord, thank you that we can take time to pray that we can take time to pray to you, our God who is God of this whole world and beyond. And so as we think of people and places far away, um, as well as places nearby, we pray for your working. Uh, we pray it'll be a good weekend for the students at the high school retreat. Um, as they've had to make shifts with their activities, I pray for safety, for a great time, for connection with you and with each other. I pray for your blessing on all the leaders and again on, for the students that are there. Lord, I think of Carl and Jean as they fly back for safety and a long day of traveling, and we pray for your blessing on them. Thanks for the work they were able to do this week. And Lord, we pray for ourselves as we look into the Bible. Help us to understand what you say to us. Help us to take it in and understand what it means and how we respond to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I was starting to prepare for this message several weeks ago, I'd, I'd never spoken about orphan care or anything like this. I started doing some serious Bible study, and I used two sources. One, this really old one, um, it was a Hebrew concordance, and it's literally like that thick. Um, When my kids were little, we used to get those big books out to give them a little booster in their chair. You know, it's those kind of big books that you don't get out a whole lot. As well as a great site called BibleHub.com. So I was using the new and old um, just to try to find out what does the Bible say about this issue. I started off looking at the word adoption because adoption is something that's very typically associated with it, but I I didn't really find a lot. Um, In terms of adoption as we understand it, there are a few instances of it, but not a lot. Uh, Most of the time, it's talking in a figurative sense where God adopts us as his children when we believe in Jesus. We become part of God's family. And so what I did is I, I just took a step back and started looking at the word orphan and traced it through uh, most of the time. It's in the Old Testament. But what I found was something I had an idea was there, but it was much stronger than I realized. Out of 42 times that the word orphan is mentioned, 37 of them mentioned orphans and caring for orphans in the context of two other, peop- two other groups of people that are very significant, that had other kinds of needs. And you see it up there on the screen. Orphans widows, and foreigners, or we often talk about people who are immigrants or refugees. These three groups of people, 37 out of 42 times, are mentioned together as people who are in need of care. Now, they're, they're very vulnerable people for different reasons, but people in some sort of difficulty. Now, one of the basic things about Bible study is when you see something repeated and you see it as dominant as this was, You need to stop and pay attention. And the point of attention for us here is the consistent message is that God cares very deeply for people in this situation. He cares very deeply for orphans, cares very deeply for widows, and he cares very deeply for foreigners, the immigrants and refugees among us. Now, I mention all this just because I think sometimes we go into maybe what we might think something might say, what God might have to say, but I, I, again, I'm saying it because it's so strong in the Bible that this message just needs to come through loud and clear. We're going to look at three passages, two in the Old Testament, one in the New, that talk about care for orphans, but again, because of the way the Bible has it, you'll see these other groups mentioned. Now, if you have your Bible or device, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 24 first, Fifth book of the Bible in the Old Testament, again, chapter 24, starting in verse 17. Now this is Moses speaking here. That's who the, the person um, that this is recording, what he had to say, speaking to the Israelite people, starting in verse 17, it says, "True justice must be given to foreigners living among you and to orphans, and you must never accept a widow's garment as security for her debt." Always remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from your slavery. That is why I have given you this command. Now, just to stop there, the, the Israelites at that point, the story of Deuteronomy is they were on their way out of their 400 years of oppression. God had, had delivered them out of it. They were on their way to the land God had promised. That's when this, this took place. So that's the idea of what, what it says here. Right, picking up at verse 19. When you are harvesting your crops and forget to bring out a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. When you beat the olives from your trees, don't go over the boughs twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. When you gather the grapes in your vineyard, don't glean the vines after they are picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Get the idea, the repetition here? Remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. That is why I am giving you this command. The point of all this is that the most vulnerable in society were to be cared for. The the point is very, very apparent. The people that most need the help are to receive justice. They are not to be the victims of oppression or unjustified hardship. They have enough hardship of their own. And it also includes issues of debt. If there's ways to pull people out of it or to not make things worse, do that. Now, more practically, in that agricultural society, I think we can understand it. There's a lot of ag um, around here. I don't know that this is necessarily done. I think the machines that are used for harvesting are, are much more thorough. But I think we can follow it. The idea was that Because orphans, pardon me, foreigners, orphans, and widows likely wouldn't have owned any property. So they wouldn't have had their own land to grow the crops. And so the people that had it were to let what fell to the ground leave it there. And these people would come back through and they would pick up their own food, right? And that's as basic as anything gets. We all have to eat. And this was one way that that through Moses, God was saying, Make sure the people that most need the help get the basics. They're to go back and they're to, again, don't be thorough. Let some of it go. And did you notice it twice it says, remember. And this, or pardon me, that is why I have given you this command. See, these Israelites that Moses was speaking to had been through their own difficult time. Incredibly difficult. They didn't have a lot. And God provided for them through it. And so the point is, look, you received from me. I'm pulling you out of all your hardship. And so because of that, look out for the people that need to help. The idea is, again, so straightforward. The Lord had done that for them. And so he expected them to do that for others. So when we have been recipients of mercy, when God has done things for us, he expects us then to show mercy to the people that need it, right? Again, this is, this is so, so, uh, so, so straightforward. Now, with the groups that are included along with orphans, one thing that many passages in the Bible doesn't say is how they got in those positions, those difficult positions. Some are obvious, we can figure it out, but sometimes, though, things were worse and we don't really know what was going on other than just simply take care of these people regardless of the situation. Now, things haven't changed a whole lot, I don't think, in our human society around the world. Um, These three groups are still among the most vulnerable all around the world. Now, orphans, they are children whose parents have died. That's the basic understanding of it. But it wasn't necessarily that both parents had died. Sometimes it was just one. I I think in some ways it's similar to the the way things are at the Milton Hershey School, that it doesn't necessarily have to be children who have lost both parents, but children who, for whatever reason, they, they just don't have the care that they need. They might have been orphaned, but it's that same basic idea. Um, now, we're going to come back to the particular needs of these children. But again, in today's world, when children are on their own, they're particularly vulnerable. I mean, it's the kids who haven't done anything to get in the position they're in. They're the ones that really do pull at our heartstrings. Widows, of course, are the women who had been married and whose husbands had died. Now, in that patriarchal culture, in those days, most women didn't work outside the home. And so widows needed special care, often simply to survive. And I I think in some situations, it's still the same today. Um, If there's not some sort of insurance policy or some way to help, um, it can really leave some women in a bad spot. Now, there are other extended passages in the Bible about caring for widows. One in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and the point there is that the, the primary point of care for widows is the family. The family is to do the, the primary care. But if there is not family to help that widow, then the church, us, we're the ones to come in to help. Now, one other note. Interestingly, some people today apply this call for help for widows, care for widows, to single moms. Now, that's an intriguing one to think about, but I think there's some similarities, and it's, I think, a a good application at times. Foreigners, the way it's described here, they are people who no longer live among their families, their own people, often in other places far from their homes. Now, we would typically think in this situation, and it's valid to say this, of people who are immigrants or refugees. They're far from their home, very often for situations like war, pushed them out of their homes, or some sort of oppression. They had to leave. They didn't want to, but they did. We have people in our church, some people who are here every week, who have literally been through this kind of situation. They were pushed out of their own home and their own country. And they are now living in Lancaster County. Um, It's this kind of thing. Um, And it's in this kind of situation, the Bible, again, is clear. Care for these people. You may have seen recently um, the BBC. Now, our family lived in England for a number of years. Uh, BBC is a really good organization. They highlighted Lancaster County. I mean, how they found this out, I don't know. They highlighted Lancaster County as being the place in the U.S. that has done the most for housing refugees who have come to this country. Pretty amazing to think about um, that the BBC even recognized that. Now, the challenge the Bible puts before us with this consistent and nearly unanimous way that it groups orphans, widows, and foreigners or refugees together, is that God recognizes their vulnerability, and he wants his people to care for them. Now, we're going to look at a couple of other scriptures, not not quite so long with these two. Psalm 68 is the next scripture we're going to look at, middle of the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6, and again, it's on the screen behind me. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God sets the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Now, if it wasn't clear from before where God's heart is, um, this does it, father to the fatherless, and caring for the widows, just being, being there. This is God's heart. And he, again, recognizes the people who most... Need the help. Father to the fatherless. Last scripture is from the New Testament, the end of James chapter 1. So, There's only two places actually in the New Testament that mention orphans, and this is one of them. Um, last verse, verse 27. Again, it'll be on the screen. says this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now that there is distress for orphans and widows, you don't have to think real hard about it. It, It's there. And two things, I think, that can be identified as sources of distress. One is bereavement. You know, they've lost someone very, very close to them, either a parent or a spouse. And the second is one that often goes with it, poverty. Very often, they had specific needs with just the basics of life, with their money and that kind of thing. And so, again, the the consistent message here, care for them. Literally, care there means visit. Interesting to think about. Visit the orphans and widows, but providing that basic care that's there. So with all this, I want to make what I hope will be a clear and strong statement that is without doubt challenging for us from the Bible. See, God loves all people right? No question about that. But God very clearly is on the side of the underdog. You see it regularly all through the Bible. The people who most need the help, God consistently makes it clear that's where his heart is, and that's what he wants his people to do. Take care of the people that need the most help. God is on the side of the underdog. So the people who are vulnerable, widows, foreigners, immigrants and refugees. And with our focus today, the orphans, these are the people to look out for, to provide care for them and not to do any harm. And because the Bible is clear that God is on the side of the underdog, he wants his people to be on their side as well. So we can say it this way. Orphan care, widow care, foreigner, refugee care, all three of them, they go hand in hand. And that, again, is God's very... Heart. So, focusing back on orphans, and this is where we're going to run a little bit with what orphan care is in our world today, and then what it might look like for us in our part with it. In the last few years, a lot of um, a good bit of time and attention has been spent by a number of churches in this country and, and a few other countries about this thing that we call orphan care. It takes concrete form in two main ways, and the first is the encouragement and support of uh, people who adopt and people who provide foster care. that Just helping people in that whole, whole realm. Now, there's a couple of photos that are going to be up on the screen here because adoption is very personal for me. Um, on the right there, that's our granddaughter, our younger granddaughter, Gloria, and she is our absolute delight. Um, no question about it. Any grandparent here, yeah, you love your grandkids, and, and she is our doll. Um, We saw her when she was four days old, the day after she came home from the hospital, and she's just our treasure. But adoption from my family, interestingly, goes the other direction. Um, My dad was adopted. And the man in this photo, um, I actually never saw this photo until about four or five months ago. My mom found it buried away somewhere. Um, This was my dad's birth father. Now, he died, I think, like six days before I was born. It was an accident, and, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but for some reason, and reasons we're never gonna understand, he gave up his rights as a parent. Um, and so this is this is just an interesting thing, but again, adoption is, is just very, very personal for me because it goes way, both ways with the generations. Now, as most of us are aware, there are a lot of quality agencies and organizations out there that assist and help arrange adoption and foster care, both in a domestic sense, in this country, as well as internationally. Now, just something I've found so intriguing since being on the staff here at Mannheim BIC, adoption and foster care is one of those unique features of our, our church that I don't know that anyone who's been around here for a long time could have foreseen, that there are a lot of families that have adopted and provide foster care here. And I, I don't even ad- attempt to try to count them or to name them all because I no doubt would miss some, but it's an amazing thing to see. And we have an, a group that's part of the church called Blessing Innocent Children, that provides mutual um, support and encouragement for all those families that have adopted and provide foster care. And I get to sit in their meeting. I've sat in several of their meetings, but last one was about three weeks ago. And it just it was a tremendous thing for me to sit there and and recognize. In that circle of, of people, these are families in the thick of it. They are the ones who, are, who have adopted recently or are in the process of it. And so they're going through all the, the issues that go with it, the joys and the difficulties. And again, it's just an awesome thing to be, be part of that. As far as I understand, there are currently, and I say at least, at least six families in the church that are in the process of adopting, including four from China, and that's not planned. You know, you just can't arrange that kind of thing. Um, God's very much part of it. It's, it's just interesting to watch. And before I move on, I want to say that if, thinking about adoption and foster care, if there are ways that you feel that God would direct you to be involved, there, there are some things you can do. One is to help out financially. The cost for adopting in particular is, it's just through the roof. It's, it's tens of thousands of dollars very often. Um, for adopting, especially from another country. Um, and so if there's a way you can help, if you're aware of some of those avenues to, to be able to do that, um, go ahead. If you can give couples a chance to go out, this is one that it was, it was sort of fun when we were in this group a few weeks ago, a date night. You know, fancy that thought, you know? Get a chance to get, get away from the kids for a little bit, right? And, but it takes somebody that is going to be able to provide the childcare. And um, so, again, that's, that's just putting it out there. If that's something you're able to do, just go for it. Um, my wife is going to give my son and his wife a chance to go away next, next weekend. Um, she's going to go spend the night overnight uh, just to let them get away. It's that kind of thing. And, again, that's one way to do it. But the other is just the most basic. Y- you can pray for and provide moral support for the people who have adopted and are providing foster care. That would mean a huge amount just to know that you're there with them, even if you can't do a lot otherwise, just to pray for them and support them. Now, the second form that orphan care takes is the direct support of orphans and orphanages, particularly overseas. Most of the time, that, that is overseas. This is where we're going to focus our attention for the remainder of our time, and especially on one place in Guatemala. Now, there's a number of ministries that have sprung into existence to provide um, this kind of direct care um, very often financially for children who have literally been orphaned or, again, for various reasons, their community is not able to take care of them. Um, you might be aware of sponsorship of children, groups like World Vision, um, Compassion, some other ones, that are tremendous in providing ways to support children in this kind of situation. Now, the ministry that Mannheim BIC is started partnering with in the last couple of years is based in a town in Guatemala, and it's called Village of Hope. It's a town called San Lucas, and I'm told there's another word with it, but I was not going to stumble over it and attempt to say it. San Lucas something um, in the south-central part of Guatemala. And there, there is a complex of houses and buildings where 40 orphaned children live and go to school. It was founded and is run by an American couple named Todd and Amy Block. But aside from their daughter, every other person who works at Village of Hope, is Guatemalan. In November of 2015 and then last August, groups of 6 and 13 people traveled to Guatemala. There have been other groups that had gone to Guatemala but for a different ministry in previous years. Um, but they went for this one, and we have two more groups planned to go this year. In fact, a group of three men, they'll, they're going to be up on the stage in just a moment, will be leaving next week for a work trip, and then later in June, another group will be traveling there as well. Now, we're in the early stages of our partnership with Village of Hope, and I'll talk a little bit about what that might look like, but we want to show a um, a video um, that gives you a visual of what this place is like, some of the work they're doing. You're going to love seeing these kids, Um, and so join me as we watch this video now.
1: We also host family style children's home in Guatemala for teenage moms and their babies and children living with HIV or AIDS. One sweet- To watch and hope for different reasons, but mostly because of abuse or the loss of parents and family able to care for them, these children come to find refuge and healing. are close in Guatemala. We really wanted to give heart to place children the chance to grow up in a family where they can come to know the Lord and learn skills for the future. Each child with us good boy, as we discover how we can best help to provide and care for them and help them reach their full potential and sons and daughters of Christ.
0: we're looking at the various ways that we can partner with Village of Hope, Um, have several things to mention. First is training. We're looking for ways to empower and train the local Guatemalan people who already work with these kids, and they're the ones that are there all the time anyway. And specifically, if you have a skill that can be shared, they're open to having people come who can train others. Now, so far, we've had a teacher who's gone, and she did a little bit of, of training there. Some people with building skills, and interestingly, they're looking for two skills for the June trip: welders and electricians. And so, just to put that out to you, um, that that's the kind of thing they're looking for. But they're also they could use people with skills like carpentry, just general building skills, cooking, sewing, and even just basic parenting skills. You you would have seen some of these young teenage moms. The stories are horrific of why they're there. In fact, there was another video and I thought, I can't show it in a mixed audience like this because the story was just that horrific of how she'd ended up being a mom. Um, and so if, if you can help, again, be open to that. And um, again, the idea is not to go and just do all the work yourself, but to have someone work alongside you who can be trained so that the work they learn, the, the skills they learn can be carried on. Second way... Prayer and finances. I'd encourage prayer for the Ministry of Village of Hope, for the orphans, for the staff, for the house parents in particular. We'd also encourage financial commitment. It's possible to actually to um, sponsor some of these children that you would have seen. It's $34 a month, and you can find out information on their website about doing that. Third thing is Relationships. Although relatively few people can actually go to Guatemala, what we're looking for is something over the long term that the people who go, as they represent the church, um, that some good, deep relationships will happen. And we're also keeping in mind that Todd and Amy Block, the people who run it, sometimes make trips to the states, and that they might be able to at some point um, come here as well. Now, as we finish the service, all right, guys, you can come on out. They're hiding in the, the dark passageway back there, sort of had to keep them hiding over there. These three men are heading to Guatemala on Saturday. They will be spending a week working there. Um, Jim Gerlock, John Gish, and Dwight Walton. And so we're gonna, I'm going to lead in a prayer for them, but you can be praying for them uh, as well, that God would give them a good week and the work that they're going to be doing. All right, so let's uh, finish our, our service. Join me as I pray. Lord, thanks for the chance to be part of what you're doing around the world. Um, Thanks for the groups that have gone to Guatemala, and we thank you for these three men that are heading there this week. We pray for safety as they travel, for a good week of work. We pray that their relationships with the people at Village of Hope will be strong and part of seeing them develop over time. Um, We thank you for their willingness to serve this way, and we pray again for a good week. And Lord, for all of us, we pray for your working in us as you do make it very clear what your heart is for the orphans, for the widows, and for the foreigners and refugees. And as we thought about orphans today, I pray that you'll guide us in doing all we can with what we've been given to help in sharing your heart and the practical, tangible ways that we can do it. Lord, we thank you for making it so clear from the Bible and I pray you'll guide us in how things look as we move ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.